Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to lesson three of 21 for 21. 21 lessons for sport and media in the 21st century today we'll be talking about some of the most viewed sport content in the world but it's only loosely related to the competition and not not talking about live matches i'm not even talking about highlights but i'm talking about the documentary series on netflix and amazon prime that sort of tell the story around the sporting world we'll get more into that my name is jamie coles and i'm joined as ever by Stuart levy who joins us today with some exciting news for the podcast yeah, thanks, Jamie. Uh, thanks for joining us again, listeners. Uh, so those of you who've been with us from the start will remember our initial episode was about Twitch and how Ibaianos Ibaianos is yeah. um, is making an, a real impact in the Spanish-speaking world. Uh, now, the two of us, um, we came up with our idea for the podcast because we hadn't really seen too much in the English language media about this uh, r- really unique um, situation in, in, in Spain with, with eBay. Uh, so a week or so after our podcast um, podcast was published, we saw in the New York Times a story about Ibayanos. Uh, and the author of that article in the New York Times was Rory Smith, whose podcast I'd actually name checked and then tweeted to after episode one. So I had a bit of a bit of banter with the guys uh, via email from that podcast set piece menu and we were name checked in their episode this week so do check out the set piece menu this week because we get a nice name check and rory gives us uh, some friendly advice on what what to do if we are going to focus on ebay again which is to get ebay himself involved easier said than done that one perhaps yeah perhaps i mean neither of us are the uh, chief soccer correspondent of the new york times after all so not, not yet of, anyway it's it's a lot of weight to carry behind you that one it's uh... just about yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, that's uh, that was an exciting sort of start to this week, really. Yeah, no, it was nice to nice to hear. I was, um, I said, I follow that podcast anyway. I was on the on the train home from from the office, making it a rare trip to the office, and I heard my name my name in lights, as it were, on, on the set piece menu. So it was nice that we got a, a friendly shout out from a, a podcast that I've been listening to for some time and one that I admire the work of. So thanks, there you go. To the guys of SPM. 
we can now refer to them as as friends of the show i think quite definitely definitely yeah. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking, as I mentioned in the intro, about these kind of Netflix and, and Amazon Prime series, um, probably the most famous of which that seems to have triggered a bit of a boom was uh, the Formula One series on Netflix, Drive to Survive. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but... Uh, yeah, I've seen, seen, seen parts of it, so I wasn't sure. I don't know if you've seen it. Were you, were you, were you asking me or were you asking, asking, well, asking the listeners? But uh, is it either as, as you're right, this is um, the third season has, has dropped on, on Netflix recently, which focused on the 2020 Formula One season. So as you're right, as you said on the uh, in, introduction, it, it's not just Formula One. If you're a Formula One fan, all you can watch are Formula One races and Formula One highlights. Uh, the beauty of the Drive to, to Survive series that the focus is on the different characters around the around the race circuits, whether that's the drivers or certain teams or certain certain courses, so certain tracks. Sorry, this is a really interesting way, and it's, it's fully authorized and licensed by Formula One. It's not um, kind of like an unofficial thing. It is re- really yeah. focused on and commissioned by by Formula One. And what was nice is that the Vox Media, the the guys behind it, they had such great access to to the paddock and, like you say, to the, the characters is a good word because you know they're athletes, they're people like us. But to tell a good story, to make a nice, entertaining TV show, you need characters. It's, it's uh, so and and it's been good for the sport as well. You know, ESPN said that the viewership for Formula One grew from around four five hundred and forty seven thousand people in two thousand eighteen when the first series of Drive to Survive came out. And they're reporting almost 1 million viewers in 2021. That's ESPN in the US for the, the broadcaster of Formula One. Yeah, what's really so good about it's, the... It's, it's, it's a two-way... Sorry, no, it's, it's a two-way <laughs> relationship. You know, it's not yeah. just Formula One fans going to watch this kind of behind-the-scenes uh, stories. It's it's bringing new fans to the sport as well. Yeah, so we'll um, come to talk about um, MotoGP and the, uh, who are... We've we've seen a couple of sources that they're talking about doing doing a, a similar thing, and also the PGA Tour as well. Also from Fox Media, there's a series like that lined up as well. Yeah. What's interesting about these documentaries focusing on a sport in general is that it, it gets the Netflix viewing viewers who might not have that subscription to ESPN. It gives them a chance to uh, open up their world and see more about about Formula One. Um, just to compare it to the Amazon Prime All or Nothing series, they've done Tottenham, they've done Man City, a few NFL teams as well. They're perhaps because they're about a team they're, they're, that might turn off right fans of rival teams. That particular documentary, but with Formula One because it's about a sport, so it's it's, it's a bit a bit a bit for fans of the sport and also fans not of the sports wanting to check it out. Yeah, it's got that wider appeal, I guess. You know, FC Barcelona, they put out their first series uh, the year before the kind of pandemic was the, yeah. So the 2019-20 season, mm-hmm. would it have been? 18-19? Yeah, I'm completely lost now. That everything, my yeah, all these complete, yeah. The, they, they put out their, one, their, yeah. their, their, their season. And it, of course, it was, it was for Barca fans, you know. It was for FC Barcelona fans. And it told the story of that season and and how they won the the league and and they got a bit of a look at the players you know in their homes and, and I think they went to um, I think it was Luis Suarez's home and and okay. him and Messi were like having a barbecue and uh, you know a bit of a party and 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 so it gave fans this kind of like inside look but of course like you say 
like the all or nothing for Man City or for Tottenham. It's it's for fans of those teams. It's not got that kind of wider sporting appeal like a, a, the Formula One series or a generic PGA Tour golf series or a MotoGP series would have. Um, but I think it'd be a bit more difficult to tell the story of, of of 22 football teams with 11 players in each team or 25 players in each team, essentially. Uh, I think that would be a more difficult story to tell. So it makes sense in that context that they sort of do it team by team. You know, that's a, a good point. We Formula One is, is comparatively small. All, all the drivers in Formula One is, is 20. That's less than one f- for football squad these days. Yeah. So yeah, I think that shows, again, how well uh, Formula One, so Vox Media and Netflix, who produced that documentary. And then um, this one thing as well, the, the whole media rights to Formula One itself, they transferred from Bernie Eccleston, the traditional sort of... Um, British conservative um, billionaire figure to um, Liberty Media um, in in 2018 as well. So the first season of Drive to Survive, yeah, focuses on the yeah on the 2018 season. So that's what they've done as well to to really market the the the, the series F1 in a completely different way from from the Eccleston era, which uh, certainly sets a lot of fans of of the sport think there was a bit of complacency settling in. So. It's just part yeah. of Liberty Media's strategy to yeah, get those new fans, which, as we've seen with those ESPN figures, they are they are they are working well to achieve. Yeah, and I think any innovative rights holders uh, and forward thinking in terms of media will be looking at the bigger picture, and uh, it's it's almost like a convergent approach. You know, it's it's not enough now just to have the race on TV live, plus then the highlights, plus I don't know maybe odd videos here and there on YouTube and and Facebook and Twitter and. But now it's like we need to branch out even into these big streaming platforms such as Netflix. Um, and, and, you know, these brands need to be everywhere if they're going to hold on to that fan fan engagement. Yeah, completely. Um, so you've been busy this, this week, Jamie, as well. So we've got a couple of guests who you, you spoke with earlier. So Richard Kaufman, who is a, a freelance commentator like yourself, uh, working in predominantly in golf, but he's, he's doing a bit of football and a lot of different sports as well we asked him why he thought the content makers were focusing on this type of documentary and series let's let's take uh, the premier league now you're in spain i'm in england uh i often work for a company called uh, img and i do some of the broadcasting for the premier league that goes everywhere outside of the uk uh the sporting rights within the uk are sold for so much money and it's just the same outside so if i'm doing a golf event and i've been in uh thailand for example in liverpool playing manchester united and the kickoff there say it's a four o'clock kickoff in the uk that's normally 11 o'clock midnight in, in bangkok and i've been there and at that time the bars are packed and i mean ram packed like you cannot get a seat in the bar with all the big screens on the sports bars. I mean, it's not just one bar either, it's multiple. So whether it's La Liga, whether it's the Premier League, and I say, I'm commentating this weekend on an Eredivisie match, and that'll be on some channel somewhere. The thirst for live sports, huge. Now, as I've mentioned, companies are paying a lot of money for these rights. So it makes sense for other companies who cannot get those sports rights as of now, to have sporting content that they know is going to sell and is going to be attractive to potential subscribers. So 
For Netflix, they haven't yet got any, as far as I'm aware, live sporting rights. Amazon have just started to do live sporting rights, for example, with tennis. Um, it is a way of getting a foothold in and drawing in that potential audience, which I would think maybe a couple of steps down the line might then bring in for, for live sport as well. So it's about producing sporting content that would attract subscribers and maybe have them hooked in for when they have live sporting rights, because, you know, ultimately I would think there is a thirst amongst those big companies that we've mentioned that are showing these, you know, fantastic documentaries, uh, great content, but ultimately I would think most sports fans, as much as they love watching documentaries, want to watch the action. So it's all great watching a behind the scenes story about like Tottenham. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of, I, it was a lot of banter going on around in one of my WhatsApp groups. It was called All or Nothing with Tottenham because it always normally ended up in nothing. Um, but ultimately you want to watch Tottenham playing at the weekend in the North London Derby as opposed to watching All or Nothing. It's a nice little sideshow, but it's not, you know, the real thing. Yeah, and I guess it's something during the off-season, you know, I think that's possibly why the Formula One series has been so successful as well. You know, they've really defined off-seasons for uh, these sports. Yeah. I, I think the Formula One one's possibly a bit longer than the, the football one. Um, but it's something for fans to kind of keep enjoying the sport whilst there's no sport happening almost. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's interesting because, I'm, uh, you know, most of my work, and not all of it, but most of my work's in golf, and there, there really isn't much of an off-season. Uh, the PGA Tour season finished at the end of September and the new season started a, a week later. <laughs> now we're in the Ryder Cup. The European Tour season will carry on until kind of the middle of December and then it starts again in January. So there isn't an off-season, but you're right in most other sports, whether it's NBA or the, you know, the, the baseball or Formula One, even-ish in football, but in football you yeah. have the international. The Euros, the World Cup, there is that off season, and there is you know a window to put this kind of content in. Interestingly, there is a deal that's been signed by the PGA Tour with the company that did Drive to Survive for the Formula One. So I think they're going to be filming that next year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out because I think it's fair to say the PGA Tour generally and I'm sure F1 have, have had this labelled at them as well, but bit, bit, they're, they're very controlling, control freaks. You know, if a player has done something controversial, you don't normally hear about it. It kind of gets pushed to the sidelines. So having their product exposed to someone, I assume Netflix wouldn't sign a deal like this unless they had full control. It's kind of, it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic pans out. But in terms of having that in a window where there's a, uh, an off season, I think they're going to struggle because there really isn't one in golf. Yeah, that's quite an interesting um, thought actually about getting to see that kind of behind the scenes stuff that you might not otherwise see because these rights holders have such a firm grip. You know, whether it's La Liga or or Dorna with MotoGP or, or you know Formula One or or PGA Tour, they have a really tight grip on their image and what their athletes can can kind of do. Uh, so is that maybe something that attracts fans further, do you think, that they get this kind of other side that you might not otherwise see? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, we started off by asking me, you know, what have I been doing? And I said I had 11 weeks without a day off. I, I mean, I love sporting documentaries. Um, often if I'm doing long haul flights, I'll either watch a box set or a film. You know, I watch the Alley film, the Senna film, 
I love it. But I haven't watched any of these all or nothing. Oh, okay. None of the man, man of the top. I've not watched Drive to Survive. I've not watched anything because I don't, I haven't had the time to sit down with a box set and just watch it. Because for me, I've got five kids. I'm, I'm away from home normally half the year. Uh, to say to sit down and, you know, thoroughly watch something unless I'm on an aeroplane is, 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 is very rare unless it's live sport. Um, but I can't remember what the question was now. <laughs> it was just uh, the fans getting a chance to see kind of another side to these sports yeah. and to their, their, their favourite stars, I guess. Yeah, so I think that from what I've heard from people that have watched them, um, and I'm expecting more of the same from the golf, I don't think it really is for... I'm sure there is interest and in, in, in the Formula One geeks, if you want to call them that, the petrol heads have watched these series. But I think most of these series, and I'm expecting the same for the PGA Tour one, which I'm sure I will get to watch purely from a, obviously a work perspective as well. I'm not expecting to learn that much from it. I think it is more from sort of the floating fans, people that are maybe interested in Formula One, but don't necessarily watch all the races and it has had a, a huge impact on viewing figures the knock-on effect from drive to survive for the viewers who have watched that and now have been sucked in by the stories of watching that to watching the races has been a big impact and i would think that is part of the thinking behind the pga tour to agreeing to this series is that commercially there could be money in it because obviously more eyeballs on your sport means more commercial opportunities, more money. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, a good way of sucking in new fans as opposed to maybe satisfying diehard fans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you've kind of answered all the questions that I had there. Um, so that's, you know, I'm really excited to see what Vox Media and Netflix do with the, the PGA Tour series. You know, everyone's got a story. Life is uh, potentially a soap opera. And so there's no reason why our favourite athletes shouldn't get their moment in the, the other side of the spotlight, as it were. Yeah, and I honestly, in golf, you're, as opposed to, you know, because obviously I'm commentating on a football match tomorrow. I mean, you don't generally are able to sort of editorialise when you're commentating on a football match. The action's really fast. It's really furious. You know, you can't really tell the player's story because it's a team event as well when you're watching football and golf it's a little different so you can have that space as a commentator to give a reason why that individual should be more than just another name so for example a golfer called Christopher Broberg won at the weekend and it could be just another Swede winning a, a European tour event but you do have the space because golf's a little slower in terms of watching that you can say that this is a guy who for the last six years thought he was never going to play again. He's had three surgeries. His back went, his ankle went, his knee went. He couldn't make a cut. He basically hasn't made a single penny really over the last three or four years. He's finally fit this year. He, you know, was worried even when being fully fit that something wrong was going to happen, that he went out thinking what's the next injury going to be. And then finally he won at the weekend. And, you know, the guy couldn't speak in his interview afterwards because he spoke of six years of hell. And you do have that time in golf to tell that story in the build-up. And that sucks in people more, I think, if, you know, there's a person behind the sports person that you're watching 
out on the on the golf course or out on the field, but you don't actually generally get that time in football. Uh, Formula One obviously is a quick sport as well, so you don't get to that time either. So yeah, I yeah, do think I, I worked in Moto G- I worked in MotoGP, and I think yeah, it's quick. Obviously, the you know the race is is whatever forty minutes, and well, it's a bit longer in Formula One, and it's fast, but. In the kind of over the weekend, you do get a bit more opportunity to talk about yeah. individuals. It's it's not like you've got to deal with twenty two players like in a in a football match, you know. It's so you, you do get a chance to kind of explain that drama a little bit more. So that's normally around the live, so that's in the build up, as opposed to actually while sure. the action on. I mean, for example, the Ryder Cup, it'll that's coming up over the next few days. That'll be boom, 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 boom. It'll be quick and fast. You know, and obviously most of the players that are in that, most people know who they are and know most of their stories. But uh, yeah, I just feel like golf is a really good sport for allowing, and tennis in some respect as well, for for knowing a little bit more of those stories which do come out in these documentary series. You get to, you know, look behind. You know, everyone thinks it's all glamorous and it can be quite glamorous being a you know, sports person. Um, you know, we put them up on a pedestal, but they're, they're all like me and you, really. They've all got their insecurities, frailties, fears, hopes, expectations. And they've all got, as you say, a, a story to tell. Everyone thinks their own story is quite boring, but to other people who are especially fans of that sport, they want to know, and there's a thirst for it, which is why these, these documentaries do so well. Thanks, Richard, for joining us. No, that was a really interesting chat, Jamie, um, especially what... He said at the start, which again, I'd, it's not immediately obvious, although it should be, is that these documentaries are on Netflix and Amazon Prime, and they're not where the live sport is. So it's a way of these services getting the subscribers um, to watch the sport but without actually get paying the huge fees for the rights themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And who knows where those kind of distribution rights relationships will, will end up going, you know, it's... I mean, we've said it two episodes in a row now. We've talked about streaming and on-demand video in one way or another. Um, it certainly seems to be the future for sports. Um, so who knows kind of what platforms a lot of these sports might end up broadcasting to. Yeah, and it's also interesting that Richard was was quite sceptical at times. It, it, he, Although he could see the importance of such series in generating the new fans and filling the gaps in the off season he didn't really watch them himself because maybe that is both a good thing and bad thing about these documentaries is that in that it in that they don't necessarily appeal to the, the diehard fans it means that there's that they don't get maybe the access they they might like just because it is aimed aimed in some way at new fans yeah more casual fans i did think it was quite interesting that he was kind of he was sort of saying like especially in like the, the PGA Tour golf or, or sometimes in tennis. And I kind of alluded to it in, in, in MotoGP and Formula One as well. Uh, the, the commentators kind of get to spin these stories, as it were. And it's kind of, my camera's gone. That's, that's very frustrating. It keeps doing that. Let me switch my camera. Apologies, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does seem... Yeah, so he was kind of saying like it's it's up to him, you know, to to or the commentator to kind of spin these stories as it were for want of a, a another phrase. Um, 
but I've heard as well, commentators referring to these Netflix series. They kind of, you know, they say, ah, you know, we saw this last year, uh, what was going on in the paddock at Formula One or whatever. You know, it's kind of, they create and bring these talking points to the news as well. You know, these th- things in themselves um, create headlines, you know, the, the, of stories that were before, previously unknown. Yeah, no, that's, again, down to why 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 we thought that it is um the formula one and motor gp and golf that these series are best focused to because they are just significantly fewer characters so there are as many formula one drivers as in one football team so again in the maybe sunderland till i die or tottenham or all or nothing some players might have featured that very briefly um because there's yeah. just only certain characters within the team so yeah with, with the formula one it gives a bit bit more room room to breathe and get to know the certain individuals across across the different teams yeah absolutely and i think the season almost pans out in different way as well you know like the way that the kind of from one week to the next they have to maintain the consistency which i know football teams and basketball teams have to do but at the end of the day it's all kind of on on the one athlete you know he he's kind of that narrative goes with him rather than with the team and in a team you know maybe one week uh, one player stands out and the next week another player stands out and then uh, the third week both of them are on the bench for whatever reason because they need resting or whereas in, right, in MotoGP or Formula 1 or PGA Tour Golf yeah. it's always them that's that's putting everything mm-hmm. on the line you know so, and, and, their, and their lives evolve grand, greatly over the space of a year uh, MotoGP rider Alex Rins for example has just had a baby but he's going to have to fly to America on Tuesday to compete in the American Grand Prix you know it's those are extra dramas that that you perhaps don't hear about in in kind of domestic competitions as well, like football. Yeah, and as you said, the the commentators do have sometimes the opportunity to talk about the issues around the sport. So the commentator of the MotoGP race could well mention that if it's something the fans of the sport are aware of. But within football, you're right. If a player isn't playing in a particular game, they don't play every game anyway. They might have just not not been picked. You can't pick talk about every single player on the pitch or in the clubs in a, in in a 90 minute match. Yeah, and also in in uh, we keep using football as an example, basketball is the same, or handball or whatever. You, you get the period of the match to talk about it, whereas in something like um, I try and find another example again. I don't know, Tour de France, let's say. Yep. It's 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 a longer period of time that you're live for. It's a longer, you know, thinking from sort of my perspective as a broadcaster, you you are live for a longer period of time over several days at a time. And there are going to be times where there's not a lot of stuff happening, and so you need to have these kind of extra stories in your back pocket to give you something to talk about because we all, we all fear silence in this world, Stuart. Yeah, completely. <laughs> uh, so this is just a, 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 a sub, a sub topic, but do you, how, well, what different skills do you think Richard has compared to yourself then for, for commentating on golf compared to the, the football and, and shorter sports that you, you normally commentate on? Well, I think, I think it's all a matter of preparation, perhaps. I mean, he's a, Richard's a veteran, and you know in this world he, he's certainly been commentating on on sports far longer than i have but everything's about yeah about the the, the preparation and, and you know i did the the Cadiz barca match the other night that the, ended up in a zero zero draw and the the guy i was commentating it with he says to me he says you know i write out six pages of notes uh, like almost like you're studying for an exam he says but i'm lucky if i ever refer to two pages of it or yeah more than just, you know, shouting out the names of the players and, and their nationality or their, you know, what's happening. Um, but as, a, as a, someone that, you know, you're, you're on the spotlight almost. Okay, fans are watching the match, but it's you that they hear. And 
you kind of don't want to be caught with nothing to say yeah and so it's better to be you know to have all this information and all these stories and not need them uh than than not having anything to say and and needing to say something so Mm -hmm. yeah i think think certainly the amount of preparation that must go into commentating on on pga tour golf for example and, and getting to know the golfers and getting into their mind a little bit that's uh, that must take a lot of a lot of work and, and dedication, uh, especially over the the long periods of time that these competitions go on for. Our, our second guest in in this week's episode was Chris Hull, who, like Richard, is uh, a vastly experienced figure in the industry, working in sponsorship for Nationwide, working having worked on the English Football League in setting up that sponsorship deal when it was a Nationwide football league back in the 90s and 2000s since then richard has worked as a consultant in topics including sports broadcast and the media and jamie asked him his take on these new forms of documentaries and series the michael so, jordan the michael the jordan michael series jordan, was amazing dance yeah sunderland, Su- sunderland football club was amazing well this is the other one every team now seems to have if it's not the sport that's got a series the team seem to have one sunderland have got one psg have got one obviously one of my favorites as well Tottenham i've got to give... were on one or nothing yeah. I've got to give a shout out as well. I, I love the uh, the Howard's Way documentary from Everton. Just, I mean, that's the thing. We're just so blessed, aren't we? We're just so blessed with these wonderful um, documentaries and insights. And I actually think, and I was I was going to come on to this, Jamie. I'm, I, I'm just, I'll, I'll let you ask your question in a second. But yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely no. spot on. You know, the behind the scenes stuff, goals, action, the game is a given. And I know, Jamie, you do a great deal of work with Barcelona and you do translation work there. In fact, I think there was a famous translator at Barcelona that went on to good things. So um, it's best not to talk too much about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, goals, action. I mean, Barcelona, I think they've got 38 million Twitter followers. They've got over 100 million Instagram followers. You know, they just need to put something out. Uh, it doesn't need to, it, you know, it doesn't need to be the greatest content in the world, but it will fly. I know Barcelona does put great, great content out. But the lower down you go, the better the content has to be to, to get people interested because there is so much stuff out there. And of course, um, as I think I mentioned, goals in action, the game, all the traditional exposure stuff is great. But, you know, I was thinking about it when you talk, when you, when you mentioned this yesterday, Jamie, and you very kindly invited me on to have a chat with you on the podcast. I was thinking, in addition to the traditional stuff, what is it that is really, really important about whether you're running your own podcast? Because I think even my postman has got his own football podcast these days. That's the amount of competition there is for content. And it has to be good. It really has to be good. Whether that's fan podcasts, whether that's former player co- podcasts, which I've seen some of those and they're great because fans love those behind the scenes stories. They love the stuff that they're never going to be able to see and witness. They love that sort of stuff. So I think it's important to know who you are, what you're trying to achieve. Obviously your, your audience is really, really important, but I also think it's really important during the content and particularly after the content that you interact with your audience as well and that you don't leave them hanging the people like to know that the people that they're the content that they're consuming and the people that are producing that content you can actually access them and you can actually talk to them it's one thing that i like to do and it's not because it's part of the game it's part of because i actually enjoy it quite often on social media or when i'm at a game i love talking to fans 
because actually the insight you get from fans and the the tone and the and the warmth and the insight is often better than anything else you can ever get. So that interaction with your audience is really get it's really great. But just in terms of other elements of content that I think are really important, because don't forget, depending on how you measure it, the sports industry globally is worth anything between 500 billion and $1 trillion, um, depending on what types of sports markets you, you analyze. But if you go the whole distance and you analyze every type of sports, um, sports participation, sports media, it's probably in the $1 trillion mark. Uh, globally sports and a lot of that um, attention and a lot of those dollars actually come from sponsors and rights holders and I think I'm right in saying that around about 20% of the value of sponsors and rights holders comes online uh, so that engagement that clubs put out on behalf of sponsors for example comes from social media and online and digital activity so what is it that's going to help you stand out from the crowd. And I was just thinking actually just this week, Jamie, about what it is this week in particular, for example, some of the stories that have helped people stand out above the crowd. Now, human interest stories, this is above and beyond, as I say, goals and action in the game. Human interest stories are always going to get the attention of people because ultimately 99% of people have got great hearts in this world and people love a great story with warmth and connection and love and a heart and people and connecting at the heart of it. Young Reese, I don't know if you saw the story yesterday, but Young Reese has got cerebral palsy and he was invited down by the England disability team. Uh, he was on television, breakfast television in the morning as well. A Fulham player surprised him, came up behind him. There was emotion, there was tears. It got everybody, including myself, with a, a tear in their eye because it was that sort of connection between clubs, players, fans and people that is still special and it still it still is the best thing in the world so young reese that was a great story this week which went across multi-platforms it went across traditional television but on social media it was an absolute blast yesterday and it was fantastic and he went down to wembley and he was saving gold and he was saving um saving shots and he'd received he'd received some horrible trolling really online and some really horrible comments initially when a few months ago that he put out that he was a goalkeeper and he had cerebral palsy. But it just shows you the power of football and shows you what can be achieved. So that was a great story. The other one I thought was fantastic this week, which was fun. So you've got human interest. That's one, one additional angle. Fun. Make it fun. Have a bit of fun with football because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it's got to be fun. You know, we're not, it, it can't be too serious. Somebody once said to me, you know, the game is always more important than the result. And I'm not quite sure whether we always have that in mind because the game is always more important and having fun with the game is important. The vice president of the South American country of Suriname played himself in midweek in the CONCACAF League against Olympia from Honduras. Now, the vice president of Suriname names the stadium after himself. He was the captain. He's 60 years of age. He's 60 years of age. He played himself as an attacking midfielder behind his son who was playing up front. Now, you can do that when you're the vice president of Suriname and when you own the club. But that was great. You know, that was a sort of fun that we love to see. And, uh, you know, that was an absolute that was an absolute blast as well. Transfer news, new signings, speculation, player content is always going to fly as well, of course. 
but the great stuff as well. And you alluded to it, Jamie, and I'm going to come back to you now. But behind the scenes stuff, you know, the stuff that we don't often see. That is just gold dust because we want to see our heroes, the manager of our team, you know, the Tottenham Hotspur stuff with Jose Mourinho. I thought that was I thought that was fantastic. I loved his, I loved Jose Mourinho, like him or loathe him. You know, he is absolute box office. He is a, a he is he is a showman, but he's also obviously one of the greatest managers of the last 20 years. And to see him in action, I thought was fantastic. I loved Pep Guardiola and the Manchester City stuff. I, I love the Sunderland stuff. I love the Michael Jordan stuff. I can't get enough of it. You know, I want it injecting directly into my veins as soon as it comes out. I love all of that stuff. And I love the set piece documentaries as well. You know, as I said to you, I think I love the one about Kenny Dalglish. I love the one about um, the Three Kings, you know, with Busby, Shankly and the great Jock Steen. And I could, I could watch those all day. Sadly, there's not enough time in the day to watch them all, but I could watch them time and time and time again. Well, so this is it. So I think you've, you touched on it right at the very start. In fact, you said you love the sport and you said, but you love people. And I think that's ultimately what you're saying is, is that these shows, these documentaries have been so successful because of the human interest side of it. We're getting to see the people that are on the pitch or the people that are on the, the racetrack or the people that are on the court. And, and that's really giving fans this kind of extra taste of their, of their favorite stars. Uh, why, where do you think this is going then beyond, beyond this? What, what's, I mean, I, I, I keep looking around. It looks like MotoGP are doing a series. It looks like uh, PGA tour are doing a series with the people that made drive to survive for Netflix. Um, so it, it almost looks like, like you said, everyone's got a podcast. Now it looks like if you're a sport or a team and you've not got a series, then you're, you're falling behind. So where's this heading? It's a it's a really good question, Jamie. I think if we had the if you and I had the answer to that, <laughs> I think we'd be sitting somewhere uh, having a pina colada right now and about to go go out on a nice golf course for eighteen holes. Um, I, you know, I think technology. I think the technology will will improve clearly, and and advancements advancements will be made in that. But you know something, the more life changes, the more it stays the same, because Jamie, probably before you were born, but I remember it. One of the best ever documentaries for me and one of the best ever pieces of football content was with the great, late Graham Taylor when he was the England manager. And I think the documentary was called The Impossible Job. And if you get a chance to see it on YouTube or find it somewhere, it's absolutely amazing. And Graham was the England team manager in the unsuccessful qualifying campaign to get to World Cup 94 in the United States. Graham gave the most incredible access that I have ever seen in football. It allowed him into his team talks pre-game. It allowed him into his press conferences. It allowed him into the one-on-one -on -one discussions that he had with specific England players. You know, you saw the likes of Gazza and Paul Ince and Paul Merson and Ian Wright and all of these guys up, up front and personal moments, seconds before they were about to go out onto the pitch. And then Graham allowed the crew and the documentary makers to mic him up on the touchline to analyse every one of his emotions. And also the great Laurie McMenemy was alongside him as well. And that great footage um, and the great line, which uh, even though probably you weren't born, Jamie, you'll be aware of it. Um, 
when I think Graham's... I was, but I, I was very so, young. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Well, yeah. It, <laughs> and I've been uh, four or five years old, I think, in that period, but yeah. Do I not like that is Graham Taylor's famous line, and you've probably heard it a million times, and many people have, but they don't realise it comes from that documentary. Do I not like that? Um, that and, and the famous moment where David Platt was pulled down by Ronald Koeman, and if Koeman gets the red card that he should have, and if England get the penalty that they should have, England go to the World Cup and Holland stay at home. It's just the most incredible thing. So the point I'm trying to make is the people that can get access, the person that can get access to the first Messi interview when he joins PSG, the person that gets the first Emma Raducanu interview when she comes home after winning the US Open, the person that can get the first Ronaldo interview when he sits down during his time at Manchester United, that sort of content is always going to be absolute gold dust. When you can get that insight, then that, then that will always remain the same. I yeah. did actually see The Impossible Job. It was repeated on, on Channel 4 uh, a few years ago, maybe some sort of anniversary of the game. But no, thanks a lot, Chris, for, for joining us. But no, he, he certainly does bring up some interesting points. He was certainly really experienced guy. He, he knows his football. But, you know, he seemed to be... Whereas Richard, who we, we spoke to before, said there's maybe not so much in these series full of diehard fans. Chris was almost the opposite, it seemed. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that is kind of the the difference in the... I, I mean, I know the, the Richard commentates a variety of sports, but the difference in that kind of what fans actually get during the sporting event, during that competitive moment. If it's 90 minutes of football, as we said before, you don't, you know, you don't get a lot more in terms of editorialising and stories. Whereas something like PGA Golf, perhaps you do. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. And that, that Chris was kind of, you know, it was really for him, the, the, the great thing about it was these kind of human interest stories. And, you know, really giving fans and, and spectators this chance to see the human side of these players. As, as I think Richard was kind of alluding to at the end of that, that call, uh, and he was... You know, he was saying we've all got our story into ourselves. It doesn't seem that interesting, uh, but perhaps to someone else it is. And and you know, sports sports athletes they they do have quite this glamorous life, but it's always not you know not always as glamorous as it seems. Um, yeah, m- maybe that's we were right. I was maybe had my marketing hat on too much at the start that we were looking at um, F1 Drive to Survive. It is driving new new fans in in Formula One. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, Chris with with all his his experience and his um, career built on personal relationships he has with various clubs and broadcasters in the UK, right? It is the, the human side of what we're actually seeing the athletes doing, even if we aren't learning anything new about, I don't know, Harry Kane by seeing him eat breakfast. We're seeing Harry Kane eat breakfast, which is still, um, in some ways, it is a cool cool thing to, to see. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that the decisions behind you know, because creating a series like this, it paid off for Formula One and it's paid off for, um, I don't know, NBA M- with The Last Dance, for example, which is not quite the same as what we're talking about, I know, but it, it does pay off for them because it drives fans to the sport. But these things are always a risk, you know, and at some point there's going to be people sat in an office saying, hey, look, have you seen this Drive to Survive documentary? We should be doing something like this. But there's an investment to make, you know, it's it's whether they're giving up their their rights and, and playing, you know, risking their brand image or they're having to pay a production company to go and film it all during the year. You know, someone somewhere is putting the money up front to send 
the cameraman and the the sound guy and the director and the script you know to to the the events and to follow these teams around um so there's an investment and there's a risk there so you know you said you got your marketing hat and your sports business hat on at the start and i think rightly so but once that's all been kind of approved and they found the the way to make that investment then there'll be another group of people in another room i'd imagine maybe some of the same people uh that will be talking about like what are the human interest stories here how can we make a great television series that fans are going to love yeah and the interesting or another interesting topic is that that uh rob McElhenney, the american actor along with ryan reynolds they've of course they bought a football club purely to make the documentary. It was Wrexham, uh, right? That they've bought? It was Wrexham, yeah. So in, uh, I read a, a piece about the, the behind the scenes of it recently. So was it during lockdown? Uh, uh, McElhenney, he had a, a British colleague who they were just talking about what shows to watch during the lockdown. He was recommended Sunderland Till I Die. And again, he had his TV production um thought i thought hmm, how can i best make a documentary about this type of thing i know i'll make the documentary about me by buying the club but by buying the club itself that's taking it to some extremes that he's he knows that these types of content work these documentaries are super popular now and just to own the content he's, he's presumably got all the the wrexham rights the wrexham footage as well so that will be certainly interesting to see see how that one pans out yeah and what you know what two great characters as well ryan reynolds and rob mcgillhenny to to do something like that you know that's uh, uh we'll be keeping a, a close eye on that no doubt because yeah. i remember i remember when it happened everyone was sort of like Wrexham, why Wrexham? like what a bizarre move for for these mm-hmm. two hollywood actors you know yeah well they they are turning it into the hollywood i mean it's i'm not sure where we broadcast worldwide but there's already a trailer for the fx network in in, in the US, so it is already the Hollywood take on owning a, a little a English, English in, in, or a, a Welsh, but in the English English in English football <laughs> football system non league club. That's right. Yeah, um, and I think that's you know Vox of, of going to Vox Media are going to PJ Tour Golf. I think it's one of those like it's almost like an illness, you know. Once you start looking at stories and and stories that are there to be told. Uh, it, it becomes like this kind of almost obsession. It's like, what, what's the next story I can tell? Um, and if you could do some good on the way by, you know, putting a few hundred million dollars into a little football club, then why not? Definitely. So I think it's time for, for, for the lesson. Yeah. What's so the lesson I, today? Then, Stuart? I, I think, think from what, we, what we've spoken and what we've had the calls with Richard and Chris, I think the there's certainly the market is there for sports rights holders to develop their brand further through non-sport related documentaries with the focus on action away from the pitch and also action on that human interest side yeah keeping fans engaged 365 days a year definitely okay thanks very much for listening if you have enjoyed it do like and subscribe and leave us a, a little review and uh yeah we'll be back next week with lesson four Thanks a lot, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.